Thank you, Brother Terry. Great job. Well, where's Tony? He do good on that, Tony. I think that was rec that was uh, requested by by Tony, and so uh, I think Terry did a great job. Well, thank you, praise team. Thank you, choir. Thank all of you for taking part in our worship. Let me invite you to turn to John chapter 3, familiar passage. John chapter 3, we want to look at verses 1 through 15. The need to experience a new birth. You want to go to heaven when you die? Well, we got two that wants to. May I ask that again? Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Amen, Amen I tell you. Somebody <laughs> said, preacher said that one time, they said, well, I thought she's getting up a load right now or something like that. <laughs> no, but you know, the only way you can go to heaven, according to the Bible, when you die, is to experience what the Bible refers to as a new birth. Now, I prayed beginning of the week, and I don't know how many times I've preached from John chapter 3, how many sermons, and God just brought me back to John chapter 3, and that tells me there are people here this morning who need to be born again. And so I want to share with you how you can go to heaven when you die through this thing called the new birth. So if you would look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. God's Word says this, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, ye must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered, and he said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say unto you, We speak that we know and testify which we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to come and to be a part of this service this morning. Thank you for the health that we have to be here. Thank you for each person here. Lord, uh, you've brought people here this morning. And so I pray, Lord, as I share your word, I claim the promise that it will not return void, and you're going to work in the hearts of people. So help me, I pray, to share your word with clarity. And, Lord, that your Holy Spirit might be our teacher and our guide. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. Let me speak when I need to speak, be quiet when I need to be quiet. Be honored and glorified in this service this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, the most important decision that anyone will ever make is the decision regarding their eternal destiny. That's your choice. There are a lot of things that we didn't have a choice about. And have a choice what family we belong to, who our parents would be, where we'd be born, what colored hair we'd have, what color eyes we'd have. But God gave us one choice, and that is where will we spend eternity. That's our choice. He gives every person that choice. Life is a vapor. The Scripture says it's here for a while, and then it vanishes away. Everyone will live somewhere forever without end. And where you live after this life is critical because where you choose to live is very critical because there's only two places. There's only heaven, and heaven is that eternal, that life eternal, that joy, eternal joy, according to John 14, 1 through 3. It's that place God has prepared for those that, are, that love him and are called according to his purpose. Or it's hell, that eternal punishment, that place without God, condemned by God, separated forever. We've learned recently about heaven, about hell, about the everlasting fire. Only two places. And I think it would be safe to say that no one wants to go to hell. No one's planning to go to hell. And I believe everyone, quite honestly, this morning would say they want to go to heaven when they die. Now, the point is, we die. We'll all die unless Christ comes back to call his church home. Teenagers die. Read recently where a teenager dies. Those in their 20s died. Went to a funeral two weeks ago where uh, a an uh, early 20-year-old person died. Went to a funeral yesterday. Visited a funeral home where a 35-year-old person died. And 40-year-olds died. And 50-year-olds died. And so the point being, don't be so naive to think you're not going to die. Because death comes to all. Comes to all. So how can I go to heaven when I die? The point is, if you want to go to heaven, the greatest need you have in your life is you make sure that you experience this thing called the new birth. And the new birth is a necessity for you to go to heaven. John 3, verse 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So I guess the big question is, what does it mean to be born again? 
If, if that's going to depend on whether I go to heaven or not, what does that mean to be born again? John 1, verse 12 and 13. Listen to what God's Word says. As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name, who were born, now here's this new birth, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this new birth is a spiritual thing. And only God can bring that about. It's a spiritual birth. And so we're talking about being born again spiritually by God. James 1 verse 18 says, Of his own will, the King James says, Of his own will, he begat he us with the word of faith. He, the New King James says, he brought us forth. The King James says, he begat us. He brought about our birth. 1 Peter 1.21 says, Born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. So the point being, born again is a biblical term for the experience of this thing called regeneration, new birth, or birth from above, or spiritual birth. Regeneration. The new birth. The greatest need that anyone has in their life. Well, how important is it, Brother Sammy? How important is this new birth, this regeneration thing? It's essential for you to be born again if you're going to go to heaven. That's how important it is. If you're going to heaven, it's essential you're born again. Now, people need regeneration, not reformation. Some people say, well, I've reformed my life. Well, that's good, but that won't get you to heaven. you got to be regenerated. I like what Jerry Vine says. He says, regeneration is putting a new man in a suit. Reformation is whitewashing. Reformation is putting a new suit on a man. Regeneration is putting a man in a new suit. That's what happened to Tony when he got saved and others of us who have gotten saved. We just... You know, something happened on the inside. God put someone new in a new suit, clothed us in his righteousness, if you will. And so regeneration is whitewash, a reformation's whitewashing, regeneration is washing white. It's good to reform, but what we need to go to heaven is regeneration. So every person who's ever lived or will ever live must be born again, regenerated, if they're going to go to heaven. Now, first of all, if you're taking notes, there is a must for the new birth. Jesus said you must be saved. Except a man. Look at that, verse 3. Except a man. Except mankind. Except a man. Except anyone. Except a man. You could expect Jesus to say, to, to have said, I, you, I expect the drunkard to be born again, or I expect the prostitute to be born again, or I expect the drug addict to be born again, I expect the murderer to be born again. But he, never, he said, I, I expect everyone, ye must be born again, every person, every person. And he's speaking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a rich man. 
He was thought to be one of the, one of the three richest men in Jerusalem. Some even believe that he developed the water system in Jerusalem. Some believe that he was the one that, that brought alloys and myrrh to the grave of Jesus. So here's the point. Jesus ignored all of his riches and told this wealthy man, ye must be born again, regardless how wealthy you might be. He was a respectable man. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is like being a member of our Supreme Court. So he was a respectable man, prominent man, respected leader in the community. Jesus said to this respected man in the community, prominent man, ye must be born again. Remember old, Saul of, old Paul of Tarsus? Later be, Saul became Paul. He was religious, but like so many, he was religious, but he was lost. You know you can be religious and lost? Remember the rich young ruler? He was religious, but he was lost. Now he's talking to Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee. Wore the phylacteries, the first five books of the law, around his forehead. Little boxes, leather boxes on the, could quote the five books of the Old, first five of the Old Testament. He was very religious, went to church constantly, memorized scripture, prayed at certain times during the day. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisee, he said, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. I think of that. This guy was righteous, and Jesus said, Hey, you must be born again. Religious, but there was something missing in his life. So the point being, don't depend on your church affiliation. Don't depend on your religion to get you to heaven. Nicodemus was all of that, but something was missing. Something was missing. So there is a must because there's a need of all humanity. To be born again. There's a must. There's a need for all humanity. There's a must because all of us are sinners by nature and by choice. And there's a must because of the nature of heaven. Verse 5 says, you must be born from the Spirit. You must be born from above. The nature of heaven has to come down from heaven to earth, to you. The nature of heaven. Someone put it this way, before you get to heaven, the nature of heaven has got to get into you. Why is that? Because we wouldn't be fit for heaven unless that happened. In our natural condition. We'd be out of place in heaven. We, we'd be, someone said, come be like a fish out of water to take this so nature we have if it was even possible and go to heaven. No, the point is, God must do a change in our heart, our life, before we go to heaven. He says, you must be born again. So there must be a new birth. Secondly, there's the mystery of the new birth. You pick that up? Nicodemus was confused there in verse 4. He said, how can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born again? He was confused. How can I start over again, Jesus? There's this mystery to the new birth. There's a mystery to a lot of things. There's a mystery to the Bible. I don't understand all the Bible. There's a mystery to God. I don't understand all about God. There's a mystery to heaven. I don't understand all about heaven. There's a mystery to hell. But the point is, the, don't allow 
mysteries are the mystery of the new birth to prevent you from experiencing the new birth. You know, I, I don't understand things uh, common on earth. I don't understand about electricity, but I, I love electricity. really do. I don't understand automobiles. I don't understand smartphones. No comment from Kyle or anybody in my family. I, I leave them. They need a handle or a strap or something on them. But I don't understand all that, but I really enjoy them, what I do know about them. And so Nicodemus, he was kindly saying, here, I don't understand all this stuff. How can I start over and all that? So the whole point is don't miss the blessing because of the mystery. Number three, if you're taking notes, the evidence of the new birth. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says this. Verse 8 says, The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. I mean, there, this, there's the evidence of it. You may not understand the wind, but there's evidence of the wind. You can feel the wind, you can hear the wind, you can catch uh, you can't catch the wind, you can't lock it up, you can't, you can't see it, you can see the effects of it, that's what he's getting at. You can feel it, you can see the effects of it, and you can see the evidence, you can see the evidence of the new birth in a person's life if they've been born again. That's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, Second Chronicles uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You can see the evidence. Tony, all of us who are believers, you know, we look the same on the outside, but something changed on the inside. And the change on the inside produces different behavior, different actions, different language, different desires on the outside why something's happened on the inside the point is you can see the effects you can see the evidence of the new birth in a person's life you can see it in how they regard god's word now you can see it in how they study his word memorize his word uh, read his word devotional time reading you can see the evidence of a change there you can see it in regards not only to the Word, but how they feel about God, how they feel about prayer, how they feel about the body of Christ, serving the Lord, serving other people, sharing their testimony. Why is that? It's evidence that they've experienced this thing called the new birth. Do they all understand it? Do we understand it? And no, I don't understand it. But we're blessed by it. Nicodemus said chapter, or John 3, verse 9, How can these things be? How can they be? He didn't doubt the possibility. He just wanted to know the methodology of it. How can all of this stuff happen? Well, look at verse 10. Verse 10, he says this, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? I mean, you're the rabbi, you're the teacher of Israel? Nicodemus, you don't know these things? Why is that? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak, verse 11, 
what we know and testify of what we've seen, and you know not receive our witness. He's, you know, he says, listen, you're a teacher, you're a rabbi, you're religious, you don't, you're religious, you don't understand these things? Be surprised today, just like Nicodemus, how many people's depending on their religion to go to heaven? How many is dependent on their efforts? How many is dependent on their rituals? How many is dependent upon the church they belong to? What they go through in order to go to heaven. They're nothing more than modern day Nicodemuses. Religious but lost. What's involved? Look at verse 13 and 14. And I'll close with this. And he says, verse 13 is, and one has ascended to heaven. No one has ascended into heaven. But he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Jesus says there's two parts necessary for salvation. One part, someone's got to come down from heaven. And that happens. Look at verse 13. No one's ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So what's got to happen in order for the new birth to take place? Someone had to come down from heaven. Did that happen? Sure it happened. Who was that? It was Jesus. He came down from heaven. Okay? He, he, he came down. He, Jesus came down from heaven. He came into the world. Why is that? For you and I to be born again. Died on the cross for our sins. Suffered for our sins on the cross. The atoning death. My sacrificial death. My took my place, substitutionary death, on the cross. I should have been on the cross. All of my sins were placed upon him. He died for my sin, experienced the wrath of God for my sin, was buried, third day, rose again, ascended into heaven. One day he's coming back. And why did he do all that? For me to be born again. For me to be able to trust in his, in his atoning death for my sin. So how do I, how am I to experience this new birth? Two things have to happen necessary for the new birth. The Savior's part, he fulfilled his. Secondly, is found in verse 14. And as Moses, uh, Jesus is part in 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So Jesus has accomplished his part. Now, what's my part? Verse 15 that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Two things that had to happen in order for me to experience new birth, you experience new birth. Jesus had to come down. He did that. Had to be lifted up on the cross as Moses lifted the serpent up. That happened. What's the next part? Next part's real simple. I simply have to turn to Jesus, trust him, believe in him, his sacrificial work for what he did on that cross. On my behalf, ask him to forgive me, come into my life and save me. And he will. He will. The only requirement for you to be born again is that you want to be born again. That's the only requirement. That you want to be enough to believe in Jesus Christ, to be your Lord and Savior. Salvation is available. Now, if you're here today and you've never been born again, maybe you're doing the religious thing. I've had that to happen. I've had people to come. A lady came years ago, and I've shared this story with our church family before. said, 
Brother Sammy, I've been a member of this church 42 years, and now I want to be a Christian. Had a deacon that come to me one time and said, Brother Sammy, I need to be saved. I trusted Christ last night in my living room. Around the stove. I was around the wood stove. It's around the wood stove, Barbara. And John said, Brother Sammy, he was praying for a friend of his to be saved. And he called me and he said, you got to come over. Greatest thing in all the world's happened to me. And I think, oh, so-and-so's got saved. And I go over there and he just kind of like, he burst out the storm door and he said, it happened, Brother Sammy, it happened. And he, he picked me and swung me around like, like a, you know, flying jenny. Went all the way around. And he, I said, what happened, John? And he said, he saved me, Brother Sammy, he saved me. I was laying by a wood stove last night. And he said, you think hell's hot. You think his stove's hot? You don't know, you, you don't know how hot hell's going to be. And he said, I, linked, I turned over on the side and I asked him to save me. And he saved me, Brother Sammy. He saved me. I know he saved me. I said, John, you're a deacon. He said, I was a lost deacon, Brother Sammy. Hey, listen, you can go, you can go through the churchy stuff. But unless you're born again... You'll never see the kingdom of God. My goodness. Now, every day we're confronted with decisions. Some are real trivial. You know, what, when to get up, where to go to church tonight, what to wear, about school tomorrow, where we're going for lunch. Then there's real important decisions. Who to date, who to marry, where am I going to college and all this. But the greatest of all is... Where am I going to choose to spend eternity? Heaven or hell? Two thieves crucified next to Jesus. Jesus in the middle. One on the right, one on the left. Jesus in the middle. <clears throat> a thief on the right, Jesus is right, turned to him and he said, Father, he said, Lord, that's important. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. <clears throat> he chose to turn and confess Jesus as Lord. Romans 10 and 9. And Jesus said, well, today you're going to be with me in paradise. He chose to confess Jesus. And God led him. The one on the left chose not to. He cursed Jesus. Went on the right and said, why are you talking that way to him, paraphrasing? He's done nothing, and we deserve what's happening to us. He said, well, if you be Christ, save yourself and save us. And so he blasphemed Jesus, but God led him. And so he made a choice. And so today you have a choice. If you've never trusted Christ, you have a choice. You can receive Christ, you can believe in Christ, you can receive him, or you can... You can reject it, but it's your choice. You say, well, oh, you won't know what all I've done. You know, God promises to forgive us, and he'll forgive you. But that's your choice. That's your choice. But regardless of what all you've chosen to do, and we've made some bad choices, I have. One good choice will do away with all them bad choices. One good one need to make that choice today. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity to share another time from Genesis chapter 3. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit and how we felt your presence in this place.
and how you've worked in the hearts and lives of people. And I pray when this invitation is given, they'll understand it's your invitation. It's not our invitation. I'm just extending it for you. And you're inviting people to come to you today. And I pray they'll come. I pray they'll choose you today. Choose you. Recognize you as Lord, Kuros, the one that has all power and authority and control. The one who says that whosoever calls on me shall be saved. The one who promises abundant life here on earth and eternal life in heaven. That they'll choose you. The one who was our substitute on the cross that we all should have been hanging on. I pray they'll choose you. I pray today they'll experience peace with you. The war will be over with. Right now they're at war with you. But today they can be at peace with you by just stepping out, trusting you. I pray they'll come today. I pray for other decisions that need to be made. Lord, people who need to be baptized, who have asked you to save them, never followed through with believers' baptism. People who need to unite with this church to serve here and serve in this community. Fathers, we try to reach a lost world with the gospel. Decisions are being made now. Help us to understand that. Help us to be still, to be reverent as you're dealing in the lives of, uh, with the lives of people. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand together.